welcome back to the League Podcast. This week, we have Pat, a.k.a. Patty J, a.k.a. Patron Genuine, a.k.a. Big Daddy Jenkins. Coming off of a huge victory against the reigning champ Stevo in arguably the game of the week, we talked to Pat about the state of his team, find out what storyline is capturing his attention in the NFL right now, and first for this show, we dig into our mailbag with questions submitted from you, the listeners. Let's get started. Well, this is uh, a great start. Go ahead. Welcome. This is spectacular. <laughs> Got to give you the right kind of uh, entrance, a nice uh, rollout here. I feel like that's good uh, on-deck music. I'm ready for this. So, man, I was I was glued to the scoreboard watching you and Steve go back and forth. It was one that came down to Monday night. Dallas Goddard had a big, big enough night to put you over the edge, and you're starting this season 2-0. It feels good to be a 2-0. I, ha- I feel as though I've always started at 2-0, and then I'm just like destined for that nice careen down into 2-6 and six territory, but... For at least this week, I'm kind of happy. Um, I, I definitely uh, enjoyed every second of Monday Night Football. They should do double headers all the time. This is spectacular. Totally. But uh, yeah, flipping back and forth to that, and just seeing um, Goddard get like eh, like ten yards here, five yards there, two yards here, and I'm like, oh no, I'm one kick away from just being just completely sunk. It was. A nail biter going all the way through, and it made me enjoy the absolute hell out of both games. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So you're, you're two and zero. You're sitting at number two in the rankings. As you look at your team, tell me what stands out to you. So I started this year. I mean, like most folks, I drafted like exactly what I thought. Like this is going to be what shapes up to be the best strategy I could, and so far Actually, it's, it's yielding. What's my first thought? I could really use some wide receivers. I don't have any. I don't have many good ones for that matter anyways. Um, on that note, even my my Goddard on his own is just not holding. He's just not as good as I was hoping. I was hoping for him to do a lot better, but like like you said, it's just week two. Nothing solidified yet. I still have a chance. They all, st- they all still do. They might not get cut. Um, so far... My predictions have been pretty on point for where I expected some folks to come in. Um, Cortland Sutton on Denver is now getting thrown to by uh, Russell Wilson. So that trade-up, I was immediately thinking, man, this guy's going to catch balls all day. And it's not – he's not doing poorly. He definitely has like – I think he has about 18 targets, which is supremely good. Um, But, you know, I just want him to get – he's he's, uh, touchdownless so far he is touchdown this yeah he he had 100 100 yards the other day so he showed up all right i'm looking at your wide receivers here you've got Cortland sutton alan robinson christian kirk and amari cooper right now as your starters Mm -hmm. amari cooper it's not the worst bunch in the league i'll tell you that so good he sorry he he but if you're listening at home points Almost that might every be a good year, but he's kind of relative target for for wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely one of those picks that I'm going to 
come back to and say, you know, did I just draft the old guy who was pretty good at this? And eh, maybe, I don't know. Cleveland seems to be holding their sub, holding themselves together. If he's the only option they have downfield, then, hey, they're going to keep throwing him the ball. Amari Cooper was a trap pick. It's a trap pick. He's the only... Uh, he consistently gets points. He's always been there. He shows up. He does his job. He runs the ball fast, and he's a widely traded receiver. The only reason why he's widely traded at this point is probably because his value was just so high, and everyone's like, yeah, he's peaking. He's topping out. So after he left, what was it? So he was in Dallas. Yeah, and now he's with Cleveland, and we're going to see how many uh, how many fun bucks he can cash in. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be there long. But like I said, before I was cut off, if he happens to be the fastest person who's running down the field for him, they're going to keep throwing balls at him. So let's do it. Yeah. And take this with, with a grain of salt, because obviously my sitting at number eight right now in the league, 0-2, I clearly don't know much. But I'm looking at your wide receiver room, and overall I think it's pretty good. But to your point, it doesn't necessarily have that one megastar. And I'm wondering in this increasingly past first league, if you need to hit on a guy like a Cooper Cup, like a Jefferson, um, like even a Stefan Diggs who just blew up yesterday on Monday night. So what are your thoughts there? Is, is that the level that you're looking to, uh, to get to? So yes and no. And this kind of comes at like a, its own kind of pain points that you're seeing with different, different gunslinger quarterbacks. Typically, I mean, this is just me historically, but I've always noticed that there's been severe and incredible opportunity with handcuffing in your draft strategies. By that, I mean, you get the quarterback and you get his number one or number two receiver that goes with him. Mm -hmm. So you get double points for the same touchdown. In instances where you can pick up both of them, where they both have stellar points, or you have an absolute gunslinger of a quarterback and his star receiver, you're, you're poised for really good spots. Do I think that I could use that? Do I think that that was something that I, that I probably should have capitalized on? Yeah. The draft is a chaotic moment, and it finds ourselves in moments of weakness where we're looking at Leonard Fournette saying, it's got to be you, buddy. Throw him in there. So I only have eyes for you, Lenny. Yeah, it was only Lenny. I knew that much. I was like, well, I'm definitely going to get to this point. I suppose in in leagues like ours where – Wide receivers definitely have to play their part, and you get the Stefan Diggs at that capacity. I mean, Stefan's with, I guess that would be right now. I'm not sure. Say that again. I'm not sure who has him exactly right now, but I'm pretty right sure. Right now, it's Raph. It's Raph? Oof. Mm-hmm. Well, I play him this week. I would say that just based off of that, I mean, I'm Raph's entire. Uh, this is what is his wide receivers that stand out over his running backs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he probably is. So I would say so, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's got that. Though, so, you know, if I have the – if I can, if I could get one, it would be stellar. I'd be very happy about that. So, I don't know. Maybe next year, next year gives another opportunity for me to trade towards it. Yeah. All right, folks, you heard it. Shenanigans is open for trade season, looking for a stellar – Number one pick, uh, number one wide receiver. All right, let's look at the other side. Yeah, go ahead. No, I have, a, I have a question, and it's something that about just trades in general that's been like kind of racking myself for a while. Yeah. Our league is not particularly heavy in trades, and I noticed that we have 
like it's usually big name for big name. It's round one for round one or round two for round yeah. two. We don't really dabble down into, you know, here's my junkie sitter bench wide receiver or running back and wide and that sits in the wide receiver running back slot. And I'm wondering just how much opportunity is actually sitting down there. Because most of the trades are all big names we see people go through and it's just kind of like tack on fillers at the end. But I'm really thinking yeah. that, you know, I, do you think that there's a good opportunity with, say, like I have, um, I don't know, my, one of my bench players is uh, Daryl Henderson starting for the Rams. He's not a big wide receiver. He's not going to, or sorry, running back. He's not going to put up a ton of points, but he has right. trade value. But does that mean that I need to go and, you know, scrounge around inside the rummage bin inside of other folks' teams? Maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I was actually going to ask, why is it that you don't think that we don't see those big marquee trades happen? Honestly, we're, we're just incredibly curmudgeon owners. We recognize the value. We love our players. We love our players to death. We will ride those, th- we will ride those players all the way to sixth, seventh, tenth place because we can. And that's really what we choose to do most of the time. Yeah, I mean, the big trade from last year that I recall, uh, and this is uh, one one place where I appreciate Anthony's approach in the league because he is always trying to shake it up. He's always trying to go big. He had that big – I think he traded away Josh Allen. He got Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson in return. It was just exciting, but it also doesn't happen very much at all. Side note, he might have traded Steve uh, the championship with that Josh Allen performance down the stretch, but uh, – Nonetheless, so we, we see them, but we just don't see them that often. Um, you know, I, I think, and I can only speak for myself, but I think when you develop a draft strategy, if you are invested from the very beginning, you start thinking about people over the summer, you're tracking trades and moves, you start to get really confident in your guys, and once you pick them, you, I, let's just say I hold out hope that like, all right, they're going to, they're going to be really great. And if they're great, like awesome, I was right. And if they're not, oh, but they're going to be really great next week and next week and next week. And I think it's, you just don't want to be the guy that trades away the guy who then blows up. So it's like, and this is a little bit sad, but I think I'd rather go down with my sinking ship then take a swing for the fences and and make a real big trade. That is apt, and I definitely see what you mean. And I know what you mean because I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Joe Mixon, this is it. I know that you know history in its face would say, oh, he's put up seven points every week since week one, and it's week nine, but this is the week. And if I bench him, he'll definitely you know run 35 points all over somebody else, and I'll look like a fool. I definitely know that feeling. Like this is the week. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pat, let's, let's switch gears here. I want to talk about the NFL and, um, and what's capturing your attention right now. It could be something on the field, could be something off the field. 100%. It's the bills. It's the bills all day long. What about them? They are absolutely crushing it. They're crushing it. One of the stats that's like, I, I, we joked on one of our text threads, but like the bills don't punt. They did. They yeah. went four games without punting. That's incredible. Now, yeah. the part that catches me really impressed about it is that all of the players are super elated, happy, and glad to be doing it. Their fans are absolutely having a blast. Like, yes, I know we've all watched, like, you know, the, the dodgy, you know, videos of them jumping on picnic tables, go Bill's Mafia and all that jazz, but, like, they're having a 
fun time, yeah. and they're not even blinking. They absolutely steamrolled last night. It wasn't yeah, even close. Not even close. And their second, and so not only do you have an offense like Josh Allen, who's absolutely just just gunning it, sidearming it, running the ball, taking dives, getting knocked around himself. But then they have a defense that's absolutely killing. Now, on, on that, to that effect, Ryan Tannehill telegraphs his passes, and that's fine. But <laughs> they still got three picks off of him last night, and it was still just like, yeah, these guys are absolutely not going to have it. Like, I was prepared for touchdowns and and like even like a field goal to keep it close. And he threw, I think, uh, he threw two picks in the end zone. Like, that's incredible. They're actually going all the way with this. I think that this is yeah. their year. I really do. Yeah, I, and you're not the only one. We've got a lot of people picking the Bills for the Super Bowl, uh, a lot of folks picking Josh Allen as the MVP candidate. And to your point about just going balls to the wall on fourth down all the time, when you have a defense like that, which is about as nasty as the offense is, you can trust them that if you happen not to convert that fourth down, you're like, all right, the defense is going to hold. Um, so it just incentivizes taking that big risk there. I. I think la- I mean this is a t- I mean obviously last night they did punt the ball but I think they got two of them back like the the opposing team fumbled twice muffed it twice right so that's pretty embarrassing on its face but then on top of it like I think like the policy is practically if they're over their own forty five yard line they're gonna go for it like just period we're gonna go for it and I salute the hell out of it because it's just so well. It's a lot of braggadocious, like, I got this, it's going to be me, and we have the offense to do it, and you're not, you're not going to stop us. But it's, I feel like that's what a professional team who's going to seize first place looks like. Like, we don't yeah. – like, even Bel- like, even Tom Brady, Belichick, Pats never would do that. They never would even think of that. But the Bills are like, yeah, we're here, and we're having a fun time doing it. They're a ballsy team, man. And, and Allen is playing out of his mind, has for at least a couple of years now – he actually, and I haven't really heard other people compare him in this way, um, he actually kind of reminds me of 2015 MVP year Cam Newton. Like the size, the mobility, the strength. Cam put something like 38 or so touchdowns that year uh, through the air, maybe another 9 or 10 through uh, through the ground. And Josh Allen feels like he has that easily. And if he gets those numbers... And the Bills finish one or two in the AFC. Can't imagine him not winning MVP this year. That's a good comparison. I mean, I usually I would have thought that Cam was a lot faster, but I guess yeah. Or when he was kind of coming up at that point in time, yeah. All right, I'll bite. I'll bite in. I, I'm on for the ride. I'm not going to get a Bills jersey yet, but I'm you know my my folding tables better watch out. <laughs> and and. Uh... Uh, you may have noticed as I sent you the invite, and listeners may notice as they look at today's episode, but this episode is aptly called, what is it, Pat? Pat, a.k.a. Believe. Believe. This is the Buffalo Bills fan uh, motto that this is going to be their year, that this is going to be their team. And, oh, I'm, I'm seeing that big <laughs> sigh of, 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 what are you thinking over there, Pat? Uh, it feels so nice to flaunt with with a championship. I just like to tease myself into a frenzy thinking about it. It's painful, and I think I'm reminded constantly when I reach for my beer mug that it doesn't have anything etched on it. And but for all of that, for all the effort it tries, it's wholeheartedly worth it because 
at least a few years I finished better than most people, and that feels good. Um, yeah. But this year, I believe. Do so this is actually a, a really nice segue into our mailbag. And again, shout out to Matt for coming up with the mailbag yeah. idea. Shout out to everyone who submitted a question here. Uh, we'll try to get through as many as we can with the time that we have. But there were a couple of questions that were related and mm -hmm. it has exactly to do with this note that we just touched on. So I'll read the first one. Uh, and it was a second one that I'll just connect to that. On a scale of one to Chris Brown, how pissed off are you that you haven't won a title yet? Ooh. And what would you do to celebrate if you did? Oh, man. So one to Chris Brown. I, I'm thinking I'm somewhere up nearby like a WWF heel rant into the microphone. Like, I hate this town. I hate everyone in it. This, I, I'll burn this down. This town is full of nothing but X. And that's where about where I'm at. So, but behind that, I'm a good guy. And I know that. And I'm not actually going to be upset about it. I'm just going to smile and say, this is going to be my year. If, if it means that I got to get some Dinty Moore cans and people are going to laugh about it and change my name to Dinty Does Better, whatever. Don't do what Din Donnie Dinto does. I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to do that. Um, what? what would I do to celebrate? Yeah. I mean, I got plan. I'm, I won't lie. I may have like intentions of like pretty much taking my mug over to my father-in-law who has an engraving machine of his own and just bedazzling the Dickens out of it. Um, I might yes. try to see if I can find one of those old era, uh, like 1990s starter jackets and try to see if I can somehow or other finagle like a logo onto it or my name onto it or like a light pattern i don't know it can light up maybe i'll get a wwf belt that also lights up who knows but i'm gonna walk around with it and crow for about a week it's gonna be good that would be amazing pat i i would love to see it honestly of all all the people other than myself and i don't think i'm the only one in saying in saying this i pat we'd love to see you join the club we'd love to get uh, shenanigans on the mug. We'd love to get uh, an updated shirt with a number one on it. We'd love to welcome you to the group Me Thread, uh, the secret secret thread for champs. Not that I said it here, um, but that there there are, there are more than a few people here who believe this year. And so, relatedly, you've been shenanigans for as long as I can remember. Is there some sort of secret oath you've taken to yourself to stick with that name until there's a championship. That's exactly what it is. It is. I, I settled up with this one and much like the player that I won't trade, I'm going down with the ship every year until one year I don't have to. And they finally produce 20 years into it or however many, I don't forget what year I joined in, maybe two or three. It doesn't matter. 20 years into it. I'm still riding hard on this one and it's going to produce that coin. And I'm going to be good. I knew I could do so, it. So we, we, we talked about your team a little bit earlier, um, talked about some of the areas that you want to upgrade, but if you do ride off into the sunset with a championship, who do you think are the people on your team who are going to lead you there, your real standouts this year? Well, uh, first pick always is going to be Patrick Mahomes, like immediately. He, was, he is the foundation. He is exactly where I'm going to start. He is exactly where I'm going to end. Um, I hate saying it so bluntly, but he is the basement that holds all of it together. 
I can rely on him to get 25 points. If he gets less than 25 points, that's a problem. But that's where he's really residing inside of all of this. Um, so, yeah, that's how I'm going to get there. That's that's like the base foundation. After that, um, I mean, I would I would like for Stafford to, to be able to pick up and go. I mean, he did incredible last year, so I was hoping for this year. But um, my one-two punch of Mixon and Fournette are probably going to be the workhorses who, who do the majority of the driving after that. Um, yeah. Mixon sees incredible amounts of touches on its own. Fournette is a wonderful dump out for Brady when he doesn't feel like throwing all the way down the field, which sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't. And when it doesn't, it's Fournette right there up the middle. So he's he's a rough and tumble player. He's going to get some yards out of it. So those guys are going to be what gets me there. I have a inkling, just an inkling, that this year Christian Kirk and um, – Oh, geez, the guy, Jacksonville's quarterback. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Brendan would be so disappointed it took us so long to remember him. Yeah. Um, Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence are going to link up. I have an inkling for it. I think that this is going to be, like, where they're going to find each other. And they're like, oh, okay, this is how it goes. Um, I won't say anything positive or negative about as to whether or not the commanders uh, decide to use Antonio Gibson. But so be it. He's out there, and he's doing his darndest. And it's just more foundation to where I'm hoping to to get some some progress in it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I can see it happening, man. First couple of weeks have been strong for all the reasons that you've said. Even the wide receivers that you're a little bit concerned with at this point. I know Allen Robinson threw up that donut in the first game. Yeah. Um, this most recent one, he at least threw a touchdown, got some quality looks in the end zone. It looks pretty solid at this point. To be to be perfect, like kind of the game behind the game a little bit here. Yeah. I I took until at well after the draft. Actually, last week when I looked at my team and realized that I'm like married to the Rams here. Um, I have Stafford, I have Robinson, yeah. I have the Los Angeles Rams defense, and I have um, Daryl Henderson Jr. And so I'm thinking, oh man, like as the Rams go, so go I. So we will see this. I don't know. Yeah. They were like I I had faith in the touchdown machine, and I'm hoping that the link up between Stafford and Robinson pans out. But we'll see. Yeah, and you could do much worse uh, than betting on the defending Super Bowl champs. So it, it, at very least, looks like a really solid foundation you have there. Mm-hmm. Next question in the mailbag, Pat. Um, I didn't submit this, but I sure am intrigued by the answer. Every year you make very few roster moves. Why? Um, I presume that means why I don't pick through the, the waiver wires. Mm-hmm. There are, I do make very, very few, and it has a lot to do with that whole mentality of, I believe that this player, I believe in this player before, prior to my cutting them. But I'd say that probably the, the other main reason is our league our league definitely does not leave very much room for opportunity sitting inside of the waiver wire bench, especially by week five, six, seven, eight. By that point, it's really sure. picked over. So yep. I have a waiver wire of a guy who's putting up seven points every week, and I want to drop him, and it feels so um, – my finger's you know, about ready to hit drop on him, and what am I going to get him for? I'm going to drop him to pick up someone who picks up three points once every three weeks, and he had a shining glimmer in the bucket last week because he caught – 89 yards in the touchdown and I'm like this is the guy now this guy's gonna be the guy who leads Philly out of the hole and nope it ain't him 
you're describing my personal manifesto right now, but but uh, we all know how I do. You you have outstanding self control. Clearly, I mean, part of it is that there's good quality players that you have on your roster that you're starting. Um, but it, it's fascinating to me. I, I'm I'm not clearly I'm not the only one that has noticed this because I wasn't the one who submitted the question, but. You want to see your guys play it out. You want to see what you invested in at the beginning of the year. Very much to that effect, yes. I think that I'm starting to recognize the value of it by looking in there now because definitely there was stuff missed on draft week one, week two. It's still There's opportunity in there, and teams are still forming who they want to be if there's a wide receiver three in there that they can start picking to. Um, I think, and although I know that sounds it's a charged term, I think – that right now the opportunity for people to share, shake up their teams in favor of point value is at like probably peaking. This is it. This is when you can probably get someone like, hey, he caught like he had five targets week one and ten week two. Okay, this guy's going to be the guy. What are we going to do about that? Like how we go find this person? That's where it probably resides because, like I said, week nine, you're going through you know a record pile of nothing but REO Speedwagon, man. Ain't nothing in there. It's just yeah. that, and you know what it's yeah, I was reading an article today that it was, you know, on, on who's who's hot on the waiver wire this week, who should who you should pick up, and the author was saying that in an NFL season where there are 16, 17 weeks now, I guess, um, and the talent that you're likely to find is going to be there at the beginning and not at the middle or end, most likely, you can't afford to underreact. To player performances, which I thought was really, really interesting that yeah. if if there's a small sample size, particularly if there's a rookie or a guy on a new team or new coaching staff or whatever it is, and he does something surprising, you just need to gamble a little bit and, and throw some cash at the waiver wire and pick some guys up and risk, uh, you know, dropping, dropping the guy that you invested in through the draft. Yeah. There's definitely something to be said for that. I think that one of the key feet, one of the key indicators that I've usually tried to keep an eye out for is um, people who genuinely don't perform or just are straight bucket zeros for like weeks one through six, and then they show up in like week eight, and you're like, where where have you been? How'd you do this? Where have you been? Were you just a sitting weapon that they waited to deploy in week eight? How are you doing this? And that's that to uh, you know tinfoil hat as it sounds like that's actually like I honestly believe that some teams might be willing to do that. Like, we're just going to have, like, some stellar guy we were going to work on. We're going to use him for eight weeks. He was on the practice squad. We jumped him in. We're going to train him up. He's going to run. We're going to get him familiar with routes, plays, game. And then week eight, we're launching. That yeah, you can occasionally do that with running backs. Most other positions, it's it's really hard. That was basically Brandon Ayuk for me last year. I was just absolutely furious. Invested early in him, stayed with him way too long. And then he ends up being one of the best wide receivers down the stretch. Yes. Um Pat, I want to transition because there's a couple couple oh, sure, other sure. questions here. Um, again, may not have a chance to get to all of them. In fact, I think we've probably got chance, uh, time for one more of these. Uh, but we've got a big draft coming up next year. It's the 25th anniversary. We have been celebrating drafts in person for the most part with a draft trip for the last four years. We want to go big on 25. We also have heard that you've got some interest in – getting us closer to where you are in Winston. And so a question that came in here is what's your vision for a draft weekend in Asheville, North Carolina, and how could we make the most of it? Okay. Pat, this is your time to sell. Oh boy. Asheville is effectively an adult playground. There are 
I think like it's uh, most people kind of recognize by now that if you want to go to, I think it's uh, the bachelor and bachelorette party destination on like, like in the Ohio River Valley is Nashville. Everyone goes there for people who want to go play and not listen to music, but go outside, go drinking, go see this, go hear live music and all that other stuff and be in the mountains in kind of a temperate way. Asheville, man, it is an adult playground to no end. You can do anything outside. You can play any sports you want. It's always a, like 20 degrees cooler than it is anywhere else. It's like tops out at 75. It's beautiful. Rarely rains up there. It's nice. You go there, you rent a cabin up there. There are one or two, if not many. You will have a blast. There are more breweries than you can possibly imagine. For those, you were not there. Many others were there as part of the Brews Cruise, but my goodness, when we did that, I was floored, astounded, amazed, and impressed. Like, wow, this is like that. We did, we only just stuck our toe into that entire pool of this is what's there. Like, I didn't even visit half the ones that I was like, I've heard those are good. There are incredible places up there. So, what do I envision for it? I envision someplace with a view on top of uh, a hill in Asheville. You can see everything. You have unlimited places to pick from, lots of food to pick from. It's pleasant. It's a party city on its own. We tend to be a bit cloistered when we go. And in an event like this, where we're talking about going somewhere, it changes it a lot faster from being, hey, we're all just going to you know, stay at the cabin. We're going to be at the cabin. We don't want to leave the cabin to, oh, man, I can't wait to like do A, B, C, X, Y, Z. We're going to do this here, that here, this, that, the other. Draft hang out for the day, and then we're going to do this, 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 and it's just going to be good. Beautiful. Beautiful. We'll, we'll leave it there for now. Mm. Let's get the gears turning. Folks, if we're into Asheville, keep in mind that there is an airport there or nearby. Um, and if we end up doing that, let's get on a cabin early on and uh, see what Asheville has in store for us for the 25th anniversary draft. That last one here. Bring us home one bold prediction for your team this week. You're up against Raph. So I heard, so I have a bold prediction, but it's not where you're thinking. So I, I listened to Brendan's cast last week and everyone kind of, you know, you note that you leave the draft being very confident about your team. Like I got who I wanted. I love my team. We've already established that, you know, I now have a perfect bond with them 100% until next year, in which case I will drop them and never think of them again. And just think of how they scolded, they, 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 they burned me. But one of the other things that goes around is you size up other people's teams and you look around. And I definitely walked around and said, ah, these teams aren't that good. These teams aren't that good. They may not produce. These ones aren't going to do well. Well, I'm going to eat my own words here and say that even though I thought that Luke's team was not going to be the producer that I believe they are, Right now, Luke is one and one, and I'm willing to say that he's probably going to go five and one. He's going to win the next four. Ooh, so not just a prediction for this week, but he's a prediction the for the next few Luke's weeks. Team, Luke's team is deceptively strong. He's got a very good wide receiver core. Yeah, I know that Tua kind of blowing up was not supposed to happen, but he did. Um, and then I watched, you know, his receivers went pretty buck wild. His running back, his running back was hurt. No, not hurts. You have hurts. He has. Well, I've, I was sizing him up. I looked at him. I said, yeah, he's going to do this. I think that he'll go five and one. Ooh, you heard it here, folks. Time will tell. 
Pat, thanks for making the time tonight. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Go shenanigans.